This is Dr. Jeff Craig. I'm the superintendent for the West Aurora Schools. And today is our inaugural broadcast or podcast um, where we're interviewing various members from throughout our organization. Uh, the purpose and the intent of these podcasts um, is to be able to, through a story and through a conversation, uh, to try and better understand uh, the different uh, dynamics, uh, the backgrounds that uh, brought people into their current roles, uh, different things that motivate them, some of the successes they've experienced, and some of the challenges they've experienced. Um, it evidences and highlights some of those individuals, but also um, it gives us a, an insight as to some of the successes that they're experiencing um, in their, uh, their workplace, whether it's a school or whether it's a facility. Um, and it's a great way to be able to talk about the, the phenomenal and amazing things that happen throughout our district and with our students. So today's um, first podcast, we've chosen uh, Mr. Ron Murphy, who is the assistant principal for operations at West High. And so just want to extend that uh, greetings and, and welcome and thanks for being a part of this. No, I'm happy to be the guinea pig here. <laughs> well, it, you are kind of a guinea for pig now. because we're checking all of our systems and this is a new new format for us. And so we're really excited. That's a, it's a whole new venture for myself. I've never done a podcast interview, uh, but certainly have listened to quite a few. And, uh, you know, some of those are very informative and we hope this is informative for people other than just the few of us here in the in the uh, room today. I'll do my best to, <laughs> to, to make sure that my part is as such. A lot of pressure on you. Uh, that's right. That's right. So I've, I've given you a little heads up, uh, Ron, about uh, some of the things that uh, kind of are interesting. And I've known you in a, in a very a variety of roles in, in our past. And so it uh, gives me a little more insight than, than normal. But just, you know, people don't know this about you. And this is kind of a really cool and neat thing about it. You've had a, a really varied background, uh, both inside and outside of education. Um, you've been in the hotel business. You've been with Chicago Bulls Training Academy for about 10 years. You were a social studies teacher. Uh, you were an assistant athletic director. And you were an athletic director now assistant principal at a very large high school in the state of Illinois. So let's talk about your educational experiences first, if we could. How did, how did these opportunities um, help you get to your current role? So specific to my educational experiences, um, all of that was kind of an education in itself. And I think that's what's so unique about the experience that I've been so fortunate to have is that at every stop, I definitely pulled something or drew something as I move forward, you mentioned the hotel gig, and that was, uh, you know, that is a, a business that is unlike any other. But working for the Four Seasons is a unique experience, even within that business, I think. So the Four Seasons is one of the top tier hotel chains in the United States sure. and globally. Um, and they kind of have their own really focused approach to what an experience for a guest there should be. And what I think is unique about them is that extends from everybody from a page, which is what I started as, to a bellman, to people who are in managerial positions and even the upper echelon of uh, administration. Um, they kind of have the same set of expectations for those folks. And I thought that was unique and it was actually something I learned a lot about myself and how to deal with people. Uh, so those are your, your non-educational experience. And that, and that was something that, and I, I, you know, I probably should have blended the question because you can't talk about one without the other. And I think that's probably one of the nuances that there are people that have followed that traditional path of, you know, I started off, I went to college, I got my degree, I did my student teaching and all this other stuff. 
So let's probe down a little deeper. Let's let's backtrack then. Let's go back to that hotel business and that Chicago Bills uh, Training Academy because I, I think the point that I want to make and emphasize is the your people skills, how you've – it is a service-oriented business. Sure. Not unlike we are in administration. Absolutely. We are in the people business. That's right. So – that's something that, that is very evident if to, to, to learn who you are at face value within the first few moments, you realize Ron Murphy is there to help you get what you need to be successful. Sure. So talk about why those, those other experiences have lent that to you. Sure. I think, you know, they go hand in hand. They really do. I think the people piece is a salient theme. I think in anybody, for anybody who's good at what they do, minus a small portion of people who work on their own, you have to have the ability to relate to people and find ways to relate to people. And I think, you know, as a leader, it's important to develop and maintain relationships at every step. Um, And I think that's one of the things that certainly that hotel experience forced me to do. It forced me out of my shell, forced me to interact with people that I might not otherwise interact with. And what a great skill I mean, too bad that isn't part of our, our service prep for our, our teachers and our administrators to talk about the service. Or, I mean, we're, we're public servants. Yeah. And sometimes we lose sight of that and we need some gentle and maybe not so gentle reminders. Yeah. You know, one of the things that was unique about the Four Seasons, they have this, this really robust training that you go through. And it doesn't matter, as I said, if you're a page, which is like an entry level position or an executive, you go through the same training. Wow. And one of the things that they really focus on is keep the guest first. And so I think that's, that's important, and I think that's helped me at every level. The consumer of the service might have changed, but at the end of the day, the focus on keeping them first, be it a kid in your classroom, a teacher in your building, or you know a guest at your hotel, it's the same concept. Almost the Disney model. It is absolutely the Disney yeah. model, right? Um, you know, you want to make sure that everybody has that positive experience, and that's part of it. So keeping that, that, that guest first is something that definitely stuck with me. Sure. So now let's redirect a little bit. Let's go to the educational side. Talk sure. to people about the path that you took and some of those influences that, you know, that people, are, well, why did you choose to do this? Why did you move into this role? Sure. So um, I obviously did my student teaching at Oswego East High School. I graduated from Northern Illinois, and I actually got my teaching certification through National Lewis, only because I could move through the educational <laughs> cohort faster as sure. a master's program than I could coming from a non-traditional or the um, private sector. Um, going that route. And I had a great experience student teaching at Oswego East. I had two really good sponsoring teachers um, who were very different in their approach and kind of how they facilitated learning in their classroom. Um, But I would say, again, the thing that both did really well was relate to kids. I felt like what I picked up from them was how important it was to develop a rapport with your kids and get to know your kids. That was unique in itself. And Oswego East, for those who don't know, at that point when I was involved was a new building. It was brand new. We had just opened. And pretty diverse even. And extremely diverse. And and we were really working to define ourselves as a school, as a school community. Um, so it was an exciting time to be part of that. Um, and I think that lent itself to some other opportunities for me. Because we were new, because it was a growing district at that time, I ended up having other opportunities like the assistant athletic director's sure. job that you referenced. Give you some leadership experience. And- yeah, absolutely. It was, it was an opportunity to keep a foot in the classroom and then gain some leadership experience. And that provided me with a different purview of kind of the educational system. And it's funny, you know, when you, when you take that 
you know, helicopter look or step back from things, how it changes your view. And it certainly did. It certainly did. Yeah. It's, you know, when, when you take that, that next role forward, you know, I think people have the delusions or at least the, the visions of grandeur, you know, there's a more responsibility, a little more risk, you know, you have a title, you have, but with that comes a lot of responsibility. And yeah. with that comes the inherent responsibilities and that, that load that you, you have to bear in terms of, Dealing with uh, challenges, whether it's challenging people, challenging situations, uh, inside and outside influences, and pieces that you just can't control um, that you have to manage. Yeah, absolutely. I think there, that that that's part of it is is trying to manage maybe not a new set of people, maybe a new set of problems or a different set of problems, and you really, you know, you have to be willing to step out your outside your comfort zone to do that. Um, and and that was a challenge for me on the front end, in part because I'd have it does change your relationship with people to some degree when you when your your role changes. Yeah, I you know I always tell the story when I first when I got my first dean's job, you know I was a coach and, and a teacher and and up until I I was appointed as the dean of students, I was one of the guys. Yeah. The very next day when they knew that I was now in in the ranks of administration, I became one of those guys. And the conversation dramatically changed, and you have to be willing to accept that because you're never going to go back again. Yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the things that helped me in the transition was there was this book, The First 90 Days by oh, Michael yeah. Watkins. Yeah. It's a good read, and I think if you're transitioning into what would you what you would consider a leadership role well worth your while. But one of the things is he talks about is adaptability and having to understand that if you're coming from within an organization, your relationships are going to change, and you have to be willing to adapt to that. And I think that's, that's, you know, exactly what you're talking about, that the dynamic's going to change Absolutely. a little bit. Absolutely. And don't take it personally. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Now, so you, you talked about your assistant athletic director where you were a, a part-time release to be able to, to fulfill that role and you yep. still had some responsibilities in the classroom. But then you aspired to uh, an athletic director position at a, at a prominent school, uh, yep. York High School. Talk to us about that experience and how those other pieces or either lent themselves or didn't lend themselves to, to that opportunity. Yeah, so, you know, that was um, a unique opportunity to step into a place that was a little bit different than the other places that I'd been. And, and obviously, we're at Oswego East, we were trying to kind of establish our own traditions exactly. and our own routines, our identity, if you will. York was unique because they had... Uh, a very specific identity as Huge a school, all athletic program, and a unique set of traditions all, all, all in themselves. Their cross-country program, uh, when I got there, had won 28 state championships. Yeah, pretty impressive. Which is more than anybody else um, in the history of the state. Um, you know, they had a legendary coach in Joe Newton who was in his early 80s and still coaching and still – you know, very much a part of what was going on in the school. And here you are in your first AD gig and yeah, this young guy, he's going to respond yeah. to you. <laughs> That's right. And I, and I think what I knew going in was it was really important for me to listen on the front end. You know, I, I was aware that it wouldn't make a lot of sense to go in there and try and turn things on their side immediately. Um, and that was never my intent. Um, I wanted to provide leadership, but I wanted to provide thoughtful leadership. Back to your guest services experiences. Yeah. You know, that, that's where you hear, you know, the customer's right and try to understand who they are and where they're coming from and how can we help you? Yeah. 
And I think that's important. I think that's one distinction when we talk about talking and listening, listening to people, not just to respond, but listening to people so that you hear them and you can take into consideration their point of view. You bet. And I think that's really important. And if I were going to tell somebody stepping into a leadership role that make sure you do a lot of listening on the front end so you understand exactly what you're stepping into. Because you may have a preconceived notion about what it looks like from the outside um, or superficially, but when you start to dig in and, and pull back some of the layers of what's going on, you're going to have a, a much different perspective than maybe what you did on the front end. You bet. Yeah. So we were fortunate enough for you to meander back towards, uh, you know, your, your home area back here in West Aurora four years ago. Yep. And so present day, um, assistant principal for operations, which, okay, so it's operations. Uh, give, give folks a sense of what you're responsible for, uh, some of your, your big items and some of your big challenges that you, you deal with. Sure. You know, um, obviously, um, the building itself, um, I work with Jeff Schiller, our director of operations, um, Angie Smith, our assistant superintendent for finance and operations to maintain the building and an excellent custodial and maintenance staff. So that is um, part of my gig, if you will. I also work with our counseling staff, Mr. Durbin, uh, Ms. Martino, in form, forming the master schedule, um, which is a large undertaking that I've been very fortunate to have really good people around me to, to try and help me navigate. And if somebody out there that has never put eyes on or hands on a master schedule at a high school, um, they would be in for a treat yeah. um, of the, the, the foibles and agonies of gathering all the course requests for 3,700 students yeah. and then making it work in an eight-period day so that they get as much as what they need as possible for graduation. Yeah, absolutely. And I think part of the challenge is what makes it us so unique as a school, because when people say we're a large comprehensive high school, we're a comprehensive high school. Our, our AP offerings are second to none. Absolutely. You know, the different opportunities that kids have through elective coursework is remarkable, but it does create a lot of pieces in the master sure. schedule and it can be a challenge. But fortunately, we've got a staff that's really flexible and willing to do different things um, to provide our kids with those experiences. And I think we've got an administration and a school board who are willing to support programming that affords those kids. Those, those So let's put some metrics to that. I mean, there's over 60 um, extracurricular uh, opportunities for kids yeah. in terms of activities and clubs. There's 24 varsity sports. Yep. Um, I don't know how many, the plethora of dual credit opportunities. I think we had almost 1,400 uh, dual credit uh units that were offered last year and probably at least half again as big for this coming school year. Yeah. So some of your description, talk about some of your highlights. What are some things that you would put your finger on? This is something I'm, a couple of things I'm really proud of. Well, I think, you know, first and foremost would be the opportunities that we're providing our kids. You know, we talk about equity and opportunity in the district, and I think we're living that at the high school and you what bet. we provide our kids. I think that you know, we've had folks in our building who have worked really hard and have been supported in, in fostering um, a wide range of opportunities in the programming that we have. I think that another thing that we've done really well, and when I say we, I, I not me, um, but our team at the high school, and, and that's Dr. Hiscock leading the charge, is push kids into more rigorous coursework. Sure. That's been something that he and Ms. Martino, our assistant principal for teaching and learning, have been very focused on and something that I think we've done successfully. When we talk about kids who are college and career ready, we want them to have a rigorous set of courses that have challenged them 
and in the end, prepared them to step out our door and be a contributing member of society, whether they're going to a college campus or they're going to the workplace. And I think we're going to continue to expand that here soon yes, we will. with some additional programming coming through um, our Pathways to Prosperity programs. Absolutely. Appreciate you highlighting that. So conversely, talk about some of those challenges. Well, the, the funny thing is coming into this job, you know, my experience had predominantly been in athletics sure. when we talk about it as an administrator. And so I had a lot of questions about scheduling. I can schedule a 32-team basketball tournament in about four minutes. You know, that wasn't hard when it was, hey, put the master schedule together. Um, you know, that's a different animal. And I was very fortunate. Liz Wendell, who's still with us sure. as director of assessment, um, was in my position prior to me stepping into it. And she was um, so good to me in the transition and trying to help me through and understand not only the master schedule, but the function of the building. Um, so I was lucky to have that support, but there were certainly some challenges. Um, and, you know, some of those challenges produced really exciting change. And I would point to some of the enhancements we've made to the learning environments, learning environment. It goes back to 84.2 million dollar sure. referendum having been passed. And that created a, a number of opportunities for us, specifically at the high school. And that without those uh, resources that are, are, uh, are very supportive community voted for, we don't have some of those choices to make. So, yeah, no. And when that, when people ask me about West Aurora, I, the first thing I always talk about is it's a community that really is invested in our high school and, and our, our schools in general, literally and figuratively. Yeah, yeah absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I think that's part of what makes us unique. Um, but yeah, that afforded us the opportunity to install geothermal, as you know, um, and that was a daunting project for a guy who didn't know much about operations on the front end. But fortunately, baptism by fire on that. Yeah, one, right? it was. <laughs> I learned a lot. I learned a lot, and I learned it fast. Well, you got a, you know, you got a nice, uh, very, very appropriate uh, Veterans Memorial Fieldhouse. Beautiful. Uh, yeah. We have some new locker room facilities uh, that were brought us up into current day requirements and expectations. And I think our building more effectively and, and uh, accurately reflects the needs and expectations of our community. Yeah, absolutely. So, and, and you've done a masterful job of meandering through that and, and navigating the, you know, the, the process with architects and general contractors and all those pieces that come into play and communicating to staff and the community. And I think that's something that you those are the pieces you don't, you don't ever really know the insights of what it takes of how do I articulate, how do I share, when do I share, when do I advocate? When do I step back a little bit and let process? I mean, all those pieces that, you know, there is no rule book that you follow. No, you're absolutely right. And fortunately, our staff was very understanding. I think they understood what the end game was, and they were willing to uh, suffer through some discomfort. Yeah, well, inconvenience. To get there. And I would say, and I think it's important to mention with that project, we were very lucky to have great partners in that project. You know, obviously, um, Studio GC, our architect, was great in answering a million questions that I had um, that, uh, that that they probably had and had not answered before. Um, Henry Brothers, our general contractor, was outstanding. We had a superintendent on the job, Greg Edders, who was uh, just top, top notch. Because um, yeah, some of those pieces, if, they don't, if they're not willing to work with you, it can be miserable. No, no. They were very understanding, and I think— And the end product isn't near as high quality. If right. Don't have no, absolutely. If they're not willing to collaborate. And then obviously Pat Dacey yep. um, was, was, you know, um, incredibly valuable for me in that process and kind of educating me about 
you know, how things would happen, sequence, scope, those type of things. His knowledge and background played an integral role for that. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. So I'm going to take a half a step back. Uh, you talked about many of your roles. You were, you were a student athlete. Uh, you were an assistant coach, you were a coach, and then you managed coaches. So a lot of background in athletics. So my guess my question is, talk to me a little bit about those athletic experiences in those different areas and arenas and how they helped form who you are and help you think the way you think and be able to carry out your, your mission. Yeah, I think, you know, for me, my experience in athletics was such that I continued in it. And I think that that speaks to the experience that I had. My coaches at an early level were, were outstanding people who had very high expectations. And so I think I drew from that. But I think the thing when I, when I talk to people about athletics, and it's obviously something I'm passionate about because sure. I'm still involved now, I think the most valuable part of athletics for any kid is participation. It's not playing. It's not playing time. It's not winning. It's participation. I think it forces kids to interact with their peers and adults and to push themselves to get outside their comfort zone. You know, we hear a lot about soft skills from employers today. I know that's feedback you've gotten yeah. as we start to partner, as we move towards um, our, our career center and the programming that'll go into the career center here sooner than later. And I think, you know, we heard loud and clear from you and from them that soft skills was something that a lot of kids lacked. And I think one of the things athletics does is it really does force you to develop some of those soft skills, dealing with people, taking, you know, and being accountable. You know, those things are all part and parcel of athletics. And I think the other thing that people don't realize that is so important in athletics is failure. Yeah. You know, it's something that. The fear of. Yeah. I think that it's important that every kid, and, and I, it was important for me, experience some level of fail, failure. Um, and I think that and, and learning how to cope with that you know, and getting back up after you get knocked down is something that we sometimes forget has really great value. You know, I want to go back a little bit. You talk about the soft skills, and I know exactly what you're, and everyone out there understands what those soft skills are. But, the, you know, I was listening to a podcast the other day with Brian Kite, and, and he and his dad have a, a fun podcast, yeah. yeah. And they talk about soft skills, and they kind of, you know, it's a, it's a, a twist on, on the semantics of it. But the soft skills, if, if they're soft skills, why are they so hard to master? You know, are they really soft skills or are those hard skills? Are those skills that we really want to emphasize? Because when you say soft, does that mean they're like second or third tier as far as, you know, importance or priority? Or is, are these, these soft skills that we really want, you know, how do I look somebody in the eye? How do I greet somebody? How do I smile? How do I respond? Um, how do I deal with adversity? How do I deal with challenge? How do I deal with failure? You know, and it's about grit. It's about perseverance. It's about, it's not about what's in it for me is how can I help be better today? And, and some of those pieces that some of our student athletes, they get, and, and I think failure drives people in some cases, but I think some of our parents, parents sometimes are afraid to let kids fail. Um, but that's, boy, that, that helps you grow. I mean, that, that athletic brown you're just referring to, that failure helped build you and make you stronger. You know, back to the old adage, that which does not kill us makes us stronger. So I, those are some resonating pieces that, you know, I too have a, an athletic background. And yep. I guess we both probably feel like there's, there's no challenge too big. Bring it on, right? Yep. You know, if there's, you want to throw a, a curveball at me, let's go find a way to hit it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think what's unique about that is it's hard to replicate those scenarios for kids. 
Yes. Right? It's harder to replicate that scenario, which requires them to use those soft skills in the classroom setting sometime. True. Right. Um, but athletics uniquely offers them an opportunity to do that almost daily. Um, and so I think that's part of why it's so, so important. And, and I, I absolutely agree. They're not soft skills. They're hard skills. And I think they're becoming harder and harder to teach kids because, you know, screen time, you know, that, that kids don't necessarily interact with one another in the form or fashion that they did 10 or 15 years ago, as we've seen technology take a, a larger and larger role in all of their lives. Well, back to your emphasis on participation. I mean, you don't interact, you know, with people and different, you know, diverse backgrounds on screen time. Right. You know, you, you get that on the court or on the field or on the, in the restroom or wherever it is that you're interacting in the classroom. You get the, that, that real-time experience that I think cannot be replicated, as you say, um, and that's where we learn and grow and, and helps form our, our future self. Yeah, and if, if I could just plug Westboro High School in there one more time, it's one of those things that makes us really, really unique is the level of diversity and the people that you get to interact with walking the halls of Westboro High School. And, and when we say diverse, I don't think people really understand how diverse we are. <laughs> yeah. um, we have 56 different languages or home languages we do. Um, in, inside our building or kids who are walking in the halls who have 56 different home languages. If you think about that, that's pretty remarkable. And almost 20 different religions that families um, believe in and, and have faith in. So um, one size doesn't fit all in our building. I would, I would agree. Yeah, no, it's one of the things that I think when we talk about well-rounded kids, you know, and, and the opportunities that, that West Aurora presents, it's not just programmatically, but it's the kids that you're walking the halls with and that you have to interact with on a day-in, day-out basis. So... To use the, maybe it's the athletic adage or that, that uh, mindset, a little shift here for you. Is there someone that you read or someone that you, you listen to that, that kind of is your go-to when you're trying to establish a mindset? Is there an author that says, you know, speaks to you? You know, you, some people go, well, I read so-and-so or I read these types of books or I listen to certain pieces. And I don't know, is there something that, or maybe even a broader question what are, what are some of those circumstances that, that motivate you? You know, ah, that's tough. I, here's what I would say about the, the people that I've, is my parents. You know, I still to this day am 38 years old, but the people that I go to for that advice more often than not are, are still my parents at sure. the end of the day. And I think I learned a ton from them about how to interact with people, you know, doing the right things. Um, but, it, you know, in a, in a sense, leadership too. You know, I think both my parents in, in very different ways really impressed upon me the need to serve in order to lead. And so that's something I always go back to. I, you know, my mom and the things she would do for our family just to make sure that we had what we needed to. Uh, and then my dad and you know, what he did for our family, but also, you know, what he did for the people who worked for and with him too. That sacrifice. Yeah. And so that, the, those are people I always go to, to be very candid. Um, re, as far as books that I've read, the name escapes me now. Um, he's done a ton, 21. Um, Maxwell? Maxwell, yeah, John, thank okay. you. I've read a number of his books, and I think here's what I love about it. It's concise. You know, it's not too much fluff, if you yeah, will. Yeah. Um, but I think that it's applicable to anything and, and any situation for the most part. Um, and I think. You know, it, it continually talk about um, the different things that good leaders do. Um, and they look 
maybe differently depending on the situation. But if you drill down um, some of those fundamental pieces, believing in servant leadership, um, developing relationships, you know, leveraging relationships when needed, you know, those, those transfer from sure. one to the other. So I'm going to ask you to put your, your mentor hat on here. Um, at the wise age of 38 years old. Um, but I think you can speak uh, from a very contemporary perspective because it's fairly fresh in your, your, your transitions from, sure. uh, from the hotel business through the teaching ranks and then through uh, the entry-level administration positions. Now, not the penultimate, but certainly uh, a, a very large role at a large high school if you were to counsel um, young, young people, men, women, that are, are either considering or potentially considering aspiring through the ranks, what would be that counsel of things, experiences to, to uh, take part in, things to think about, preparing themselves educationally? And then I'm going to ask you for the, for the off side of that, and that's things to avoid. So what would be your counsel I am at your humble service to listening. All right. So that's a great question. You know, the, the, the first thing I would tell them if they're interested in leadership is to jump in because you don't necessarily need a title to lead. And I think that the opportunities that I was afforded were generally a product of me having jumped in to do something that there wasn't necessarily a title for. Sure. Um, that I was willing and wanted to do. And as a result of that, gained some experience that I think when I did have the opportunity to step into a leadership role helped set me aside from other people. So I think that would be the first one is jump in because there's there really there's no there there is no replacement for experience. Yes. And there's gonna be, you know, various opportunities to get experience doing different things. So you I don't back, get it out of a book, right? No, you don't. And I go back to my first coaching gig, like, you know, I was coaching football at a very small high school and had the opportunity um, to be the freshman football coach. And part of being the freshman football coach was on Thursdays after practice, you line the field. <laughs> what a great experience. You know, you got out there with the painter, you painted the field. I cut the grass, you know, as an assistant AD, I got out and I worked our baseball field and that was all really good experience. It's just stuff you jump into because sure. again, you know, that helped me down the line. And I think, so I would say jump in is one piece of advice. I would say in your first, when you get that first job, that first kind of foray into a leadership position, you're probably getting hired for your capacity, right? It's not because you have this wealth of experience. No, this is the first time you've gotten into a, a job like that. That makes sense. You know, and so somebody believes in you. Mm -hmm. um, they believe that you have the ability to do the job. And, and so keep that in mind and ask questions. They didn't hire you because you knew all the answers. They hired you because they thought you could figure them out, I think. And I think that is probably the scenario. When I stepped into the assistant athletic director's job at sure. Oswego East, um, you know, at well, the time I, you I had a bird's eye view of that, and it was, yeah. it was about, you know, somebody willing to do the work too. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's the, the cognitive capacity, but I think physically, are they willing to just – get the job done. Yep. You know, it's sometimes not about title or, as you say, it's not about their compensation. It's not about some official right. role. Hey, we need to get this done. And can you help me get, you know, get that completed? Yeah, absolutely. You know, and so going like, yeah, I was willing to do the work, I think. Yes. Um, and 
you guys believe that I would figure it out eventually, even if I stubbed my toe a couple times, a couple times, but I would say to people, you, you know, you get in that job and you think you have to have all the answers. You don't ask the questions and be really honest about what you do or don't know, because I think that's the quickest way to get to where you want to be. That's some great feedback. You know, I, I think some of our folks, they do have failure, fear of failing. You know, I've never done this before. Well, that's where you get your experience. Yep. It's probably one of the most frustrating, you know, pieces ah. when you go through an interview process where you don't have the experience. How do I get it? Right. Unless, unless I'm allowed to perform that. Right. So that, that's great experience. So what are some things that they should, what are some pitfalls or what are some potholes that they should navigate around or, or try to avoid? You know, I think it, it kind of goes back to thinking, you know, it all, you know, again, you're, you're, you're stepping into a position, not because you do know it all, but they think you'll be able to figure it out. And sometimes you lose sight of the people piece. Mm. Um, that's one thing I would tell people is, you know, you're going to have to develop and maintain relationships. And those relationships might look differently than others that you've had, um, but they're still going to be um, the, the most important piece in, in continuing and being successful in, in, in any position. Because even if you intend to make change, at the end of the day, you need people to make change. Stay humble. Yeah, and yeah. I think that's, that's a big part of it. Um, you know, and I think along those same lines, um, you know, keep front and center who your consumers really are. Because I think one of the things that I had to think about as I transitioned into a job where I dealt less with kids and more with adults was, hey, at the end of the day, the end game, our end consumer isn't the adults. Yeah. It's the kids. Yeah. And so I think that's really important because I think, you know, as someone who's new to a gig like that, you might think, okay, well, this is a group of people that I've got to manage and keep happy and keep moving. And, you know, 95% of the time, the people in this business want what's best for kids. It's yeah. really 99.9% of the time that our, our um, belief in what, what's best for kids or, or, or our interests really align. But there is going to come times when they don't necessarily align. And I think that's really the time it's important to keep front and center who who your guest is going back to the hotel business or who your consumer is and that's the kid helps to keep in mind why we have our jobs every day that's absolutely yeah. true it's absolutely true and I and I did find that was a challenge as I transitioned into a, a position where I had less access to kids and didn't see them every day but it's important that you keep those kids front and center absolutely well I uh, I want to thank you for for uh, sitting down with us today and and being our 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 first uh, podcast guest at you know, the, I think when you first asked me, you know, why, why pick me? Aren't there more interesting people? Or actually, no, I thought your background was really interesting. And I think, uh, you know, fortunately, I have the prerogative of knowing you uh, through a, a variety of these steps. Um, and so that probably made it even more interesting for me because I think it's very poignant for our, our, our community to hear about that. Uh, but our aspiring administrators that are saying, what if, could I, should I, uh, what are some things I should be thinking about? And I think you're a great uh, uh, illustration of that. And we, uh, we're very proud that you're a part of our organization. Uh, we, we certainly, everything you've talked about today um, is evidenced uh, daily at West Aurora High School. And so um, we thank you for that. Um, thanks for sharing your, uh, your comments and thoughts and a little bit of your life with us. Um, any parting comments before we finish our first podcast? No, I just, I appreciate the opportunity that I've been afforded here. Um, I'm really lucky that I get to work at a high school with a great staff and, and 
you know, um, Dr. Hiscock is, you know, there's no one else I'd rather work for. He's, he's top shelf. Good stuff. Um, and we work with good people there you too. Bet. Our team is top, top notch. Well, thank you again. And uh, as I said, this is our inaugural podcast. Um, we will be developing a, a frequency. I'm not sure if it'll be every couple of weeks, three weeks. We don't know what it takes the time to uh, put this all together. But we look forward to our next guest and our next opportunity. And uh, Ron Murphy, thank you for our, being our very first uh, podcast interview. Thanks so much for having me. You bet. <laughs>